Are you feeling stuck, lost, tired, or uninspired? We've all been there, including myself. I'm Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. I'm here to tell you that the best, unapologetic, and limitless version of yourself is yet to come. The Born Unbreakable podcast is here to inspire just that. With motivating guests from all different walks of life and around the world, their stories will empower you to unlock abundance and your unbreakable spirit. Do you need accountability? Reach out to me for a free consultation of how I can support you in reaching your maximum potential. This episode is brought to you by Sherpa Way Marketing. Are you a business looking to gain greater visibility online through search engine optimized content? Maybe you need effective ad campaigns to kickstart or bolster traffic to your website. Sherpa Way Marketing has seasoned experts that are bilingual in English and Spanish. Let them take the guesswork away and enhance your brand positioning with their comprehensive marketing services. Go to SherpaWayMarketing.com. That's S-H-E-R-P-A-W-A-Y marketing.com to schedule your free 45-minute consultation today. Hey guys, this is Des with the Born Unbreakable podcast, and I'm so excited for something special today, which is an episode collaboration with my friend Kel Cal, who is the host of Dear Dumb Bitch. So this is a first for the Born Unbreakable podcast to do this collaboration. And what you're going to hear is the episode that we did together. So I'm so excited to share with you. Action. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of Dear Dumb Bitch. I just have to take a moment and just acknowledge the magnificence of this moment right now. I am in fucking Las Vegas with an actual like podcast studio setup. Like I'm in total shock right now. I recorded most of these episodes using my fucking clip-on microphone. And then I finally got a real microphone when I was a guest on a podcast. And now I'm like in a real life podcast studio. Like I can't believe this is even my life right now. Like I had the idea to start this podcast like six months ago and now I'm in Las Vegas with the magnificent Des, who is the first guest on Dear Dumb Bitch, which I am so excited about. So I connected with Des back in, it was probably like March, I think. And we met on this website. It's kind of like Tinder, but for podcasters. <laughs> and we, we matched and just um, coordinated recording an episode for her show, Born Unbreakable. And just had such a great time, such a great conversation. We really just connected and we discussed planning another episode and doing it in Vegas. And that's that's what's happening right now. So yet another like idea that we had and just made happen. So I am here with Des in real life. Welcome. I'm so excited for I'm, this. I'm saying welcome to my show, but <laughs> yeah. you're like, welcome to Vegas. I know. <laughs> We're welcoming each other. It's, in, it's insane because to me, this is the epitome of manifestation. Having a conversation, vibing with someone, and saying, let's make shit happen. Ah, it's giving me goosebumps. Oh my God. Like, wow. Let's do this. But like Kel said, uh, I'm a fellow podcaster. So we totally tindered with each other Um, (laughs) and just to share in the self-development space, just being passionate about that. So um, I live here 
in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm originally from California, the Bay Area, so not too far, neighbor, neighbor state. And um, I started podcasting in 2019, and I did a podcast called Bliss Beyond Fear, and the fear stood for Faith Elevate Action Results. Oh, I love that. And I did it with a friend of mine, and we had a great run and then had different paths, so split apart, and then I launched my own podcast, Born Unbreakable, in a little over a year ago. So just celebrated. Happy birthday, Born Unbreakable. Yeah, just celebrated an anniversary and so have 82 episodes so far of the show. It's been a lot of fun. But yeah, I have a background in healthcare consulting. So I've done that for 17 years. Uh, And I started a professional or personal coaching practice after I got certified Mm -hmm. as as a coach formally from the International Coach Federation um, a couple years ago. So I've been, I do coaching um, mostly in the space of people going through change and transition and wanting to transform some part of their life. Um, we'll probably get into it today, but I I've, can't wait to I've had in. to transform lots of parts of my life. Um, and I'm a big believer that we are constantly evolving. And so who you were five years ago should not be the same as who you are today. And I don't anticipate that five years from now, we're going to be the same person because if we're learning and growing, you shouldn't be. We shouldn't be, right? I resisted that concept for the longest time. Like I I think everyone has a love-hate relationship with change, but you're supposed to change. Like you're not supposed to stay the same. You're supposed to learn from life and evolve as a human. Mm Mm-hmm. But that can be really scary and challenging at the same time. So and scary. usually you change when things are hard. Yeah. What's what's a scenario that you've experienced tremendous change in? Oh, my God. What's not, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where do you begin? Yeah. No, I think that one of the most life-changing events for me was when I went through my first divorce. Mm. And so I... And, and the reason for that is because going through the divorce changed my whole perspective on relationships, self-worth, identity. It, it almost opened this door to what is now, I believe, a better version of me. Mm-hmm. But I, was, I now realize how isolated and limited I was in my thinking because I met my ex-husband when I was 15 years old. And it was one of those high school sweetheart mm-hmm. type of stories where you meet someone, you fall in love, and you just think, oh, well, naturally, you would just stay together forever and get married and yeah. do all the things that people who get married just do. keep checking off the boxes, right? Check the boxes and fit society's image of what you're supposed to be, which is bullshit. So, um, but I lived that life for a long time. Um, you know, go to college, get a degree, get a good job, which is all good. I mean, I'm not knocking any of that because I'm very grateful for all of those decisions. But in the relationship arena, uh, you know, I was 25 when I got divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, and How old were you when you got married? I was 22. Okay. So we were together for, for 10, 10 years, years yeah. but married for three. Mm-hmm. So it was it was short-lived. <laughs> I mean, that was the other thing is that I, I felt guilty. I felt bad. I felt like I made a commitment and I'm breaking it. I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a sinner. I'm all, all bad things that you could call yourself. I did that on a daily basis every day, all day, you know? 
Um, and at the time, I just had a very idealistic vision of what a relationship was. And I thought that everything that happened to other people wouldn't happen to me. Because I'm like, that happens to other people, mm-hmm. not yeah, me. That never happens to like, us, right? <laughs> stop being ridiculous. I was wrong, so wrong. You know, so I went through, um, there was cheating and there was, you know, betrayal. And it's it's not, I mean, even today, I, it's not so much me focusing on, you know, all the things that I could point at my ex-husband about the shit that he did wrong because he could equally do it in my mm-hmm. direction. You know, I think what it taught me was um, taking responsibility for the part that you played because it wasn't like, uh, it was, we were both in it, you yeah. know, so there were obviously reasons why we both looked at the other person and said, this is wrong, this thing went wrong, went sideways. But, um, you know, after I made the decision to leave, which of course there was judgment, incredible judgment, because I just, I didn't want to stay in a relationship where um, the cheating, I think it was something I could get over if we could move past it. Mm-hmm. But then when he continued to do it, it was like, well, this is just not going to work because we don't have trust. We don't, you know, we don't have all the things that make a healthy relationship. So clearly this isn't going to work. And so I wished him well. I went on my way. But when I went on my way, I was like, holy shit. My identity was attached to another human being. I have to now figure out what kind of human being I want to be. The same thing happened to me after my divorce. And it was incredibly disorienting. Like I thought once I left my toxic marriage, like I would just feel free and be happy and living my new life. And then I was so wrong. I was a disaster. I had no idea who I was as a human being because my entire identity revolved around a different person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was a shit show. I mean, I was, you know, like I got... Eat, pray, love in the mail. I was, you know, in a ball on the floor crying just a lot. I wanted to hide everything, so I did. And one of one of the biggest things that I would do anytime something in my personal life would go to shit is just go deeper and deeper into my career. Mm. It was like the one place I could thrive. It was the one place where I could get accolades. I could get recognition, you know, and it felt like I was achieving. Mm. Meanwhile, my personal life was a mess and I would just try to hide it, not act like everything was fine. Um, and, you, and at some point, you're not living in your truth and, and, and you, you do break and then have to be honest with people and say like, yeah, I wanted to wait until it was all said and done and passed and then be able to tell people, but sometimes it doesn't work out that way. And then when you're in the midst of it, like people discover that you're going through something and you just want to be strong all the time and you don't realize that it's okay to not be that in a constant state all the time. And so, yeah, I, I felt like I took a big burden off of myself by being honest of actually admitting to my friends and my family like this is happening this is a choice I've made and I do believe it's best for me because of course everyone's like well maybe you can work it out maybe this and maybe that and it's like no like this is the way that I want to do it and 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 I think for me that was the first time I was like I'm not going to live on other people's terms mm-hmm. You know, because people are always going to suggest a life for you that they think is right. And that 
may not be what you believe is meant for you. And as soon as you can stand up for that, then you start coming into your own a little bit more and a little bit more. And so like my dear dumb bitch moment was thinking that assimilation and conformity um, and, and being liked by everyone was what you were supposed to do. Why, why are we like that, honestly? Like, why do we think other people know what's best for us? Like, why do we care more about what other people think than what we think? Like, how, how does that even happen? Yeah, I think people-pleasing, you know, I, I know for me that was one of the biggest things. It's like, I don't want to be a disappointment. Mm-hmm. I don't want to disappoint my mom. I don't want to disappoint my... Friends. I don't want to disappoint we're, people. To the know? extent that we're more willing to disappoint ourselves uh-huh. to avoid disappointing other people. Yeah. And I, you know, I face so many questions and feel like I'm supposed to defend my position in the world because um, it was, it's funny because I have this conversation. One of the things that I do is diversity, equity, and inclusion work. And I, I, I talk with friends about it and I talk with clients about it. And I talk about how we need to update our language. Like the way that culture actually is today has not caught up to the language that we, sh- we should be using. You know, we're not in the fucking 1900s. And so uh, traditional relationships or um, the way, you know, reproductive rights and, you know, so much has evolved uh, decade after decade, we can't live in the same construct that we were so accustomed to a century plus ago. So I, one of the examples I use for people is it's very common when people meet someone for the first time and it's, there's no malintent behind it, but often they'll say, oh, so are you married? Do you have kids? Tell me about your husband or your wife. And so when you do that, you're assuming, A, that someone should be married, should have kids, or should maybe have a same-sex partner. Mm -hmm. And what if it's all the opposite of that? So if someone is the opposite of any of those things, then what does that really mean? You know, you're you're creating a construct for somebody that may not be what is meant for them. And today, you know, in this generation of Gen Y or millennials or whatever the next generations <laughs> they keep naming these things, um, there's a huge difference in the way people think because of what's changed, technology. The yeah, way we're people, all yeah. so connected. Yeah. Everything is accessible and immediate. Exactly. It's- like a lot of the trends that used to be are not anymore. A lot of young people aren't want to be nomadic. They don't want, they don't think that you need to buy a house. You know, a lot of kids are like, well, maybe I don't want to get married. Maybe I don't want to have kids or... It's just, it's different. And so, you know, I'm just becoming more awakened to the fact that we have to respect each other for being exactly who we are, which is probably not going to be the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and I feel like after that dear dumb bitch moment, um, I opened myself up to so many more possibilities of what could be and living on my own terms. And I was like such a big awakening and it took 25 years to how how did you reach the point of actually like taking accountability of your life and recognizing that like no one was going to do it for you no one could make the changes like how did you decide to start showing up for yourself 
Well, I mean, I knew that for every time I was in a shitty situation, I was the common denominator. Right? What a fucking scam. <laughs> you know? So I was like, well, obviously you're here. Yeah. And this is happening. So <laughs> you have something to do with it. And like one of the things that I started doing was journaling. I started doing that when I was going through shitty things. And I find it's funny because it's not that I think you should only journal when you go through shitty things, but I find that it's it's almost like a self-therapeutic thing to 100%. do. 100%. Uh, you can journal about really good things too. Yeah, which well, journaling, I, I describe, I'm obsessed with journaling. Yeah. It's one of my greatest passions in life, honestly, because it's changed my life so much. And journaling is really one of the best tools to develop the relationship with yourself, which side note, in case you missed the memo, you're supposed to have a relationship with yourself. I found out about this, like, I don't know, four years ago. It was a newer concept for me, but journaling is literally like having a conversation with yourself. It's one of the ways you can build that relationship. Yeah. And so like going back to your question of, you know, how did you start getting accountability? It was, you know, sadly to say that I felt like I owned it more in my late 20s, but I figured out that there's only one person that's guaranteed to be with you at the end of your life, and it's you. Mm -hmm. If you don't like who the fuck that is, then you have work to do because you're going to make mistakes. There's going to be imperfections. There's going to be times when things go left when you wanted it to go right. As long as you have a true north and you're grounded and you know what who you are and what you stand for, then... You, you have to, like, self-love is something that you have to work on constantly. And and worthiness, that's a thing that I struggle with all the time. Every time things happen, I'm like, am I worthy? Am I enough? Like, am I good enough for this? Am I meant for this? Yeah. It's, Just questioning yourself and then mm-hmm. attaching your worthiness to things like your job and productivity and your physique and all these external circumstances. But honestly, none of that really matters because you're worthy. You are enough just as you are because that's who you are. And it's so, I don't know why it's so like the the most challenging person to love is always yourself. Mm -hmm. And the shit we say to ourselves, we would never say to another person, right? Like if you're having a hard time, then we tend to make it harder for ourselves. But if we were to see like our best friend or our mom or someone having a hard time, we wouldn't say the shit that we do no. to ourselves. You're always looking at the good. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're telling you shitty things, you're like, oh, but well, you did this. Look how far, look how much progress you've made with your weight loss or with, you know, whatever their goals are. And then when it comes to yourself, you're like, you fucking you suck. suck. What's wrong with you? Seriously, <laughs> you could have done better. You're a loser. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy how frequent that is. And sad. Yeah, I, I realized after leaving my toxic relationship that I had an even more toxic relationship, and it was the one with myself. And that's really where like my personal healing journey started was just recognizing that not only did I not know myself, mm-hmm. but I was kind of kind of a bitch to myself. Like I wasn't very nice. Yeah. Well, and one of the things too when I talk because I feel like on a daily basis, probably the number one subject matter that I have is around relationships. Um, And, you know, one of the things that I realized too was that when you're in a relationship, if you're dating someone, if you have some kind of commitment, is that you can't um, 
become a person that's codependent where your your entire identity is attached mm-hmm. to that. And that's the mistake that I made when I was younger. You and me you both. Just, <laughs> you're just like, yes, I will just follow you around and do all things you say. Um, and so it was important to me that no matter what happened after that, whatever relationship was next or whatever that looked like, is that I always maintained a sense of self-identity. I have interests. I have likes. Is it, Would it be nice if a person that I was dating had those interests and likes? It'd be cool, but they don't have to because mm-hmm. they would have their own identity and their own likes and interests, and then hopefully there's some that we have in common. But it's like you you have to stand strong in your conviction of those things and um, and be able to maintain both so that you know when you come into a relationship, you're there because you want to be, not because you need to be. Yeah, and that's the, the one of the craziest things that I I always feel agitated by is when someone's like, "I don't know what I would do. I can't live with. I I'm incomplete without this person. They complete me, and and it's it's implying that you are not a whole person until this person right? created your other." half of wholeness. My, my better half. Like, yeah. no, no you're your own best half and you can complement each other because when two become one, that means you're left with two half people and who the fuck wants to be half of a person? Exactly. But it's like, you know, unfortunately you have to go through those hard things to recognize your value, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes and, and also build your resiliency and know that there's going to be curveballs in life especially in relationships because it's such a territory where things are gray. Um, and there's and despite how many books you read, there's still going to be things that are imperfect. And so you have to just trust, like have trust in yourself, you know? Yeah. D- developing trust in myself was so challenging for me, first of all, because I never had it. But then after my abusive marriage, I really struggled with developing the trust in myself because I had essentially rejected myself for so long by putting myself in situations where I prioritized other people's needs. And it really took a long time for me to develop that trust in myself. And shit, I'm still I'm still working on it. Mm-hmm. How, how have you managed to work on and develop that trust with yourself? I, one of the things for me is following my intuition and my gut more and not questioning myself because if you... If you feel something, there's a reason mm-hmm. for that. There's a reason why we have our intuition. And 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 I tend to follow it more, which means I trust myself more. And one of the biggest things that I've had to work on, and arguably I still am, although I feel like I've gotten much better, is boundaries. And, you know, protecting your peace is a real job. Mm-hmm. It's a real thing. And not recognizing who takes your energy or who fuels you is such an important exercise, you know? And trust is also about trusting the decisions you make about who you have in your life. You know, when I really started delving into self-development and, you know, I love when Jim Rohn said, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Um, It's so telling Mm-hmm. And and it it made me realize at different points of my life how I have to ask that you know ask myself that question because um, people they they can either feed you or drain you and you have to you know 
think about that. So one of the things that I trust in, and I, I started using this acronym called SAVERS. I started talking about it with my girlfriend when we started our podcast two years ago. Um, and it's to, to be around people who support you, align with you, value add to your life, elevate you, and rise with you. I love that. That's so beautiful. So, and not all people fit all things, mm-hmm. you know? There's, and we can think about those people who are, they're lovely people, but they're fucking bring you down all the time. All, you know, they complain, they talk about the same issues, it's the same problems, two, three years have passed, it's the same problems, there's no action being taken. I mean, you have to examine, are you there being the teacher to people all the time? Or are you actually in situations where you're a student? Mm-hmm. And you can learn from others, and they have enough influence and impact that you are inspired and activated in a positive way by by people. And I've cut out a lot of people, and it's it. You know, at first it was so uncomfortable, and I feel guilty, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I feel bad, and I, you know, but you you can't. We we have one life, just one. The last time I checked, we, we're not a cat. We don't have nine lives. There's not some fucking reincarnation. Um, or maybe you, you do believe in that, but your physical body, you know, this I don't. It. This is it. Yeah. There's, we have an expiration date. And so to me, especially as I've gotten older, time is limited. It is so limited. So why? Why would you spend it on people who, you know, suck the life energy and are not feeding some kind of growth and positivity in your life and inspiration. So that was like a big way of trusting in myself and getting stronger and more confident was being willing to make those tough decisions, even Mm. as somebody who's a people pleaser and has taken every single personality test to figure out who I am and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, I'm a sensitive person that has a hard time being direct with people. And I've had to work on letting go of of things that is, it's not a strength, you know, to be, or it's not a natural state for me to do that. And I don't, I don't think it looks perfect when I've done it, but I've had, I've, I've definitely had to do a lot more of that to, to find more peace in my life. Yeah. And boundaries are so important, not only with other people, but all relationships need boundaries. Boundaries essentially teach people how you want to be treated, but you also need to have boundaries with yourself because you have a relationship with yourself as well. What are some personal boundaries that you've had to implement from lessons you've learned in past relationships? Oh, man. You can't change uh, people. Like you're not responsible for other people. So one of my boundaries is that when I feel like I'm creeping into that territory of trying to, you know, take on the work that somebody is supposed to do for themselves, I I back up and I I use affirmations and I would use like post-its and things like that to, um, you know, tell myself. I actually had a post-it for the longest time that said, you are not responsible for other people's happiness on my computer. A fun fact, post-its are my favorite home decor. Like <laughs> I, I never got around to like decorating my condo really, but I have like post-its all over because I need those reminders and they're such like 
a great visual cue to remind you of like who you want to be and who you really are and how you want to show up. And the hardest part about, you know, becoming more of your best self is remembering to actually be that and like not forgetting and going back to your old habits and ways because they're habits, right? That's kind of what your default is. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's really the hardest part is just remembering how how I want to be every day. Yeah. And that's why when you write it down, it helps then, you remember. You're like, oh yeah, that's right. I said that, or I made a commitment to that. And I have alarms on my phone, and they uh, tell me. I love I love alarms too. What are, what are some of the alarms that you have set on your phone? <laughs> at twelve o'clock. Well, okay. The at the first one when I wake up, whatever time that it is that day, it says, I you know I'm an influential, a mission driven messenger, and I'm meant to help others. So that is the first reminder. And then at noon, it says. Um, the universe supports you. Mm. And at five o'clock, it says you are enough. I love and that. I need the reminder all the time. Mm. <laughs> so we, we all need reminders. And I need a water break. I'm going to take a quick breather here and we will be back in just a few. Awesome. All right. We are back. And first of all, I'm I just got to say it again. I'm in shock at this setup right now. I'm just like <laughs> looking around and usually it's just me talking to myself in my mic and I have like people and lights and it's just so fun. I'm so <laughs> grateful for you. For, right? I know yes. we have uh, we have our drinks and I'm just so grateful for you for making this happen. Yeah. This yeah. is this is amazing. This is literally my favorite thing if this is all I needed to do in life. What a beautiful life. I would just do this all day. What, what a beautiful life. I don't need to do anything else. I'll just do this. So you referenced your first marriage. Does yes. that mean that there were more? There was more than one. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Dear dumb bitch didn't end. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. There's, there's never an Holy end. There's always crap. more. There is still more stuff that you need to learn. Now, the thing about my second marriage, so I did go through a period of separation and then we went through a divorce, but I learned a ton. And so this is this is what I would say because a lot of times people say, if you have a breakup, so maybe maybe you didn't get married, but a breakup can be very devastating. Mm-hmm. It's similar, you know, especially if you were with someone for a long time, they're a huge part of your life or you have a divorce, there is a connotation around it of failure, of all the things that are negative. You know, it's it's agonizing, there's suffering, there's heartbreak, and all of those things are true. The one the one disagreement that I have is that I look at the shift in a relationship as a transition. And so the what I learned in my second marriage, even though it was difficult to, to go through a separation and then a divorce, was I had more maturity. I could have more meaningful conversations with my who who I call a friend, because mm-hmm. we actually do have a, a good relationship. Um, it wasn't necessarily the same way with my first husband, but then again, I think I was also immature at that time. So maybe I could have been a better, more amicable human being. Um, and still today, my, my, my first husband would reach out to just talk or ask a question. And it's obviously that was ages ago. So it's totally fine. Uh, you know, you're over the emotional aspects of it, but, um, there's just a lot more maturity. Mm -hmm. 
But in my second marriage, it was like we could actually have a discussion about why it didn't work, you know. And my ex-husband, my second ex-husband, would say, I did an autopsy on our relationship. (laughs) And, you know, and there's extreme ownership, Mm -hmm. um, you know, over I fucked up. I did this wrong. I wish I could take it back. I wish I could do this. And, um, you know, and I think you just, again, it's that whole going back to the evolution thing, you transform into the, a better version. And I also believe that there's always something better. When something ends and there there is that transition, it means that something better is awaiting you, you know? And I always hope for the best for, you know, and it may not be like, I think marriages are are just more difficult because there is a a huge sense of commitment and and that when that shifts there's just so many things in your life that has to get adjusted but I would say the same for a business relationship mm-hmm. or a friendship where you know I I still wish people the best just because the the nature of our relationship isn't the same or we don't we're not going to interact in the same way that we did previously it there's there's nothing more that I want for them than exactly what I want for myself, which is that we're going to learn more, grow more, mm-hmm. be better human beings, and whatever mistakes we made, we would be able to do the best that we can to not repeat what those those mistakes are. So it was definitely a different, you know, divorce in terms of, of it not having, it just having more maturity, mm-hmm. you know, with it. And so... Um, I found that process afterwards not as daunting of like, I, I wasn't having an identity crisis, you know, after after that. I, you know, I felt so grounded in who I was and um, who I wanted to be. And it's funny because my second ex would say, you know, if we stayed together, I feel like you would have been held back from doing a lot of the things that make you you. You know, and and I am like, probably, probably. Yeah, and you know, we mentioned previously how like you're supposed to change and evolve as humans. That's like kind of what this whole human experience is about. And it kind of makes sense that if you're in a relationship with someone else, I mean, relationships are the greatest classrooms in life. You're going to learn the most about yourself and life. And you don't always change together with someone and that's okay. Like. Mm-hmm. I think that there's such a stigma around like, especially like marriages, like you marry one person and that's who you're supposed to be married to forever. But like people change and relationships change and there's nothing wrong with relationships ending. Like Mm -hmm. that's kind of just part of life. Like you're supposed to change and grow. Yeah. I think the second dear dumb bitch moment though, like from relationship one to relationship two was, so the first one was was around identity Mm -hmm. and, and needing to get more grounded with, the sense of self that I have, but the second revelation, when you when I had my second round, was um, I had a habit of falling in love with a person's potential, mm. not who they actually were. It was who they could be, had the potential to be, but they were not at that at that minute. I am so glad you said that because I feel like that's something that happens all the time. And I think most of the time we don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. Like we're just kind of oblivious to it. But it's like it's like we're basically like to put it in a different context. We are entering relationships 
hoping that somebody will change, hoping maybe that we can change them, hoping that they'll be who we want them to be. We're like buying the fixer-upper house and uh-huh. hoping it'll be this beautiful, like renovated, yeah. million-dollar home. And really, we need to be entering relationships like with what we want and honoring and respecting that person for who they are, not who we want them to be. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing is is when you're... And I don't know, I, you know, if this is just something with time, maturity, experience, that you start recognizing that you do have to do a better job of accepting people for exactly who they are and lifting them up to help them lean into their mm-hmm. best version of themselves, just like you want for yourself. Um, and, I, you know, I do think that there's changing together and evolving together, but part of that means there's an alignment that's required. There's expectations that have to be revisited. And it's and this is what I find so fascinating. When I got into the professional world of consulting, there's an extreme amount of structure. Every time you have a supervisor subordinate relationship, every time you're on a project, you have an expectations discussion. You know, what are the things that you're working on? What are the goals that you have? Mm-hmm. By when do you want to accomplish them? And there's this rigidity and this formality of everything. So you can get that promotion and you can work on these skills and all of this stuff. And in, in relationships in your personal life, I wasn't applying that rigor. <laughs> I was like, you just follow your heart and you love people and that's all you need to do. Um, I'm not saying you have to take that same manuscript and apply it, but I think just the the idea of communicate. This is what you. This is what you want. This is where I'm at. This is the alignment that I'm looking for. And I think just being a lot more upfront about that. I think people shy away when they meet somebody because they are like, let me just show them this part of me and have them like me and I'll like them and you don't get oh, that's to... That's pretty them. much been me in most yeah. relationships. But if you think about it, that's that's manipulation because you are trying to be who the other person wants you to be so that way they like you or you get something from it. You're not really showing up as yeah. your true self and you can't really have genuine relationships if you're not showing up in a genuine mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point in my life, all of the relationships I have, which um, I'm single, so I'm referencing like friendships even, just just feel so much more genuine and authentic because I feel like I know who I am in such a more genuine and authentic way. And I'm giving myself permission to show up as my myself in those ways. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about the movie um, The Ugly Truth with Katherine Heigl, and she is in there with um, Gerard Butler, is the other actor, and she sees this hot doctor that she wants to be with. She was like, that is my checklist. That's my person. He's hot. He's successful. Um, but everything that he probably wants is X, Y, and Z. So she just fits X, Y, and Z and then realizes how horrible it is to try to be this person that she's really not, Mm. you know? And then, so that's like that part of the movie where she's like, fuck this, this sucks. You know, it's like, you have to show up as who you are and the person has to show up as they are. And if you trust that and you accept that, 
then you can proceed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think if there's like, you just don't pass go on the Monopoly board. If you And the earlier you figure that out, you're saving that person time and you're saving yourself time. Right. Be yeah. honest with yeah. yourself. For sure. You know, so I don't know. I just think you get more honest when you go through more shit too. Yeah. And I, I think you just kind of give up the bullshit after a while. It's like, just let's just be real, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of dear dumb bitch moments. Yeah. yeah. You you mentioned communication and relationships and how important it is. And it really is, whether it's the relationship with yourself, it's important to communicate with yourself and check in with yourself, but especially in relationships with other people. And that was one of the challenges I would say I had with my most recent relationship that I had. It was kind of like the first relationship after my divorce. And that was communication and just you know, learning how to communicate because in my past marriage, like I, my communication wasn't valued. It wasn't reciprocated. It wasn't welcomed. So I really had to learn how to communicate and how to express my needs. And that was really challenging for me because at first I was expecting somebody else to meet my needs, which nobody can meet your needs. You have to meet your own needs. But also I was expecting him to meet kind of, I guess, my expectations in the relationship when I wasn't even communicating that. Mm-hmm. Men are not telepathic. They're not mind readers. Just in case you are curious, they're not. <laughs> they will not know what the fuck you're thinking unless you say it. And we do that shit all the time. You give them an evil look. Be like, what the you should, you hell is wrong with her? She's got fucked up eye. Today. Like, what's wrong with your eyeball? <laughs> I fucking hate you right now, yeah. and they Stop. have no idea why. <laughs> right? Because you don't communicate it. Say what you're thinking. Yeah, they will not guess right, probably. No, and I think you know if you are afraid to communicate in a relationship, then. Yeah there's a few things you have to take into consideration. Like, why are you afraid? Like, are you not in a relationship where you feel free to communicate? Mm-hmm. Is your communication attempts just dismissed and shut down? Or do you just not have the confidence in yourself? So mm-hmm. you kind of have to tease that apart to see what the factor is. One of the things that I had to learn was the reason that I had trouble communicating before was because I was always concerned about what the reaction would be. It's not to say that I don't feel that today still. It's just I catch it mm-hmm. more now. And then I try to process how I sh- still will communicate something even though I have that fear. But it kept me from communicating things because I would say to myself, well, if I say this, then he's going to do this or say this. So I just never mind. It's not even worth it because then it's going to cause a fight. It's going to be an argument. Da, da, da. And then, But then now you're, in a, you're just tortured yourself. And it's your own fault because, again, they don't know because you haven't said anything. Yeah, and then you're changing how like you're acting and what you're thinking and saying because of somebody else, which isn't really a healthy dynamic either. Yeah. So that's not authenticity. Mm-hmm. Like when you hold back, you know. So I think, but I think that's the other thing that we're challenged with is how vulnerable you're ready to be because once you are challenged with trust it's difficult to feel like you let your guard down and you are so vulnerable with somebody. And so we have to gauge that. You know, we all have our own internal barometer about how much you want to open up to somebody and hope that they reciprocate. But that's why it's not easy 
right? If there was some little bar that we had, just like our cell phone charger, when you see how much charge your phone has, it's like you wish that you could know, is that person on the same wavelength with right? me? If like, are they, is there a vulnerability level like up here? Are they ready for me to open up and are they ready to give it to me back? But we don't have that. <laughs> we just have to use our, you know, our instincts and our intuition and also have knocks that are... <laughs> Hello, housekeeping. <laughs> Did I mention I am in a suite? <laughs> it's actually pretty awesome. It's kind of like um, every time I record, I'm like, I know the Amazon person is going to come. That's when the delivery happens, right? Um, you know, some person's going to be a telemarketer, a solicitor, and decide that they want to share the next best, best thing with me. And it's going to happen at this exact moment that I don't yeah. want it to. And it, well, I can and tell you what's not going to happen. My phone is not going to ring because I keep my <laughs> phone on Do Not Disturb, like, 24-7 these days. It's actually <laughs> my favorite thing. Which I love is it. brilliant. I it love it. It keeps you so much more present when you do that. It really does because you, I mean, your phone goes off and it's like your automatic impulse to just like check it and react to it and you don't realize how much it pulls you away from the moment. You know, it's interesting. I look around sometimes and you just see everyone on their phone. Mm-hmm. I'm actually more amazed that more people don't get like hit by cars and shit like that because oh, yeah. nobody's paying attention Nobody to life is. these days. And and that's I find it amazing too because I think about what life was like for the people that didn't have to deal with this little mini computer. Did you ever have a pager? I had one. <laughs> Me too. You know, I'm probably dating myself right now, but like pager codes. That was a that legit was a real thing. thing. And see, I and we probably are of the same generation, but what they call us is on the cusp. So when you're on the cusp, it means you grew up without a cell phone and internet, but then you had it. Then you did, you came into it. So therefore you know about like pagers and other modalities of communication. But you also know that because you didn't have it, you actually can live without it. Because you did. Because we at experienced one point. the prehistoric times. Exactly. <laughs> we were dinosaurs, we were ancient, and that was a real life experience. But then we got it and we saw the advantages of it and you know we came into the 21st century. But we could differentiate and yes. pull back and detach from it to some degree. Yes. I, I mean, when I saw that, that movie, The Social Dilemma, that came out, I think it was September of 2020, and it was talking about all of the kind of people who have worked for companies like Facebook or Google, and they said there's the, the positive side of technology and social media. And then there's like the dark side, you know, of what it does to you, how it sucks you into all the algorithms. And then, and then of course, the dopamine of this, the psychological thing that happens when people get likes and comments and followers and stuff. And that has been a poison in so many ways, especially for younger generations whose life revolves around those things. Like they cannot live a day without their phone. No, and it's like you're just constantly connected to everything but yourself, essentially, because you're mm-hmm. always like looking externally for whether it's validation or likes or judgments. And mm-hmm. I think it's really changing like our culture overall yeah, as a society. Huge. Yeah, people are starting to do detoxes 
from technology. There's have you, it's have an you ever done one? Thing. I've done it not to the way that people, ha- other people have, where they'll go for a week without, you know, um, ha- like having notifications on, for example. Because um, I hate the red circle. It drives me crazy. So I always have to see what it is. Yeah. Like, it doesn't mean I'll respond to it, but I just need to know. Yeah, clear, like, clear it out. What the hell is, you know, all these red little dots. Um, I've done it for like a day or so, but it would be interesting. I, I, I Actually, I took a week off from Instagram once, and I loved it, honestly. Like, I thought it was really great. It was really hard at first because yeah. you don't realize, like, how often you check it until, like, you stop. And I would find myself, like, reaching. Or you get that like, screen time reaching. notification. Oh, my gosh. That's Your screen time painful. went up by 32%. Like, if, you, if you've never checked your screen time, you should do that. Like, do that. that's a reality check because we think we're not on our phone that much because, oh, we're just checking in on Instagram real quick. But that shit adds up. I actually was very like disturbed, yeah. <laughs> like bef- like when I first checked it, and before I started to like just become more aware of how much I'm using social media, yeah. like I was like, wow, this like is- I am ashamed of myself right now. Yeah, I'm like, why well, this was not acceptable. <laughs> I actually like it when I meet people who say that they don't have social media. I do too. Because I love I'm that. like, I envy. I'm like, I'm you like, know it's what? So refreshing. You're not missing out. You really no. aren't. In fact, you're getting everything that we're not because you're paying attention to the actual world and not like what the hell is happening on your feed. Yeah. And I've, I mean, it's, it's challenging because I feel like a lot of like just relationships are almost revolving around social media. Like a lot of the times I know what's happening in my friends' lives because I'm watching their stories on Instagram, not because I'm actually having real life conversations (laughs) with them. I know. I know. But that's why one of the things that I very much I'm committed to is conversations. So even though my friends are busy, we're all busy, we do text each other regularly, but I will always pick up the phone and call. So especially when I'm driving, it's a good time to mm-hmm. even, because you know, it's only going to be 15, 20 minutes even. I'll call and I'll check in and just say, hey, you know, are you busy? Um, yeah. And maybe I get them, maybe I don't. And most times I do, which is funny. Like I do catch them and we're able to catch up on stuff. But I always make it a point to have actual live conversations and not just like texting memes and whatever. Yeah, I I love using the car for phone calls as well. And I also, and I know you enjoy this as well, I love sending audio texts and yes, you do too. Which I do. I think it's just such, like sometimes it's easier than like typing it all out. And it's just, it's nice to hear people's voices. Yeah. Like it just creates a greater sense of connection. And the tone, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of times I feel like the words don't match. Like it could be misinterpreted and it sounds so serious. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, and it's like, the no. actual words themselves communicate very little yeah. in conversation. It's your body language, your tonality. Like there's so much more to conversation and we lose all of that. And that's why texting is oftentimes misinterpreted or you're like, oh, that person's mad at yeah. me. They must hate my guts. And it's like, no, they you just didn't really pick up on everything else they were trying to communicate. Exactly. I love yeah. the voice text. Yeah, it's so fun. I love so. it. It's awesome. So, well, anything else before we wrap up? If I mean, my whole podcast is really based on the premise of like sharing our dumb bitch moments, really these moments that are teaching us about life and ourselves. Is there anything that you had wished you learned sooner in life, which I, I ask this question sometimes, but mm-hmm. we always learn 
what we need to at the right and perfect moment. But Mm -hmm. if there was something that you could have learned sooner in life, what would it be? To give myself grace. Mm. I am constantly going back to the being hard on yourself and saying you're less than or you're not enough is that you're a human being. Humans err. And that's okay. You You mean we're not supposed to be perfect 100% of the time? We're not robots? What? I'm still in mild disbelief and denial about that. I know. Same. Perfectionism is a huge problem. Um, Was. I'm going to use the past tense. We're recovering That was old me. (laughs) (laughs) That is not new me. Um, But yeah, giving myself grace. and, And so that I would encourage that anybody who's listening is to is to do that. Recognize your human. Know that you you are going to make mistakes. It's not even a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And, and that's a good thing. Like okay. I just learned this like maybe last week, but like you're supposed to make mistakes because that's how you learn. Mm-hmm. And why do you think you would just be perfect at something your first time doing it? Like what an unfair expectation to have for yourself. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, and some days I'm better than others. Sometimes I'm like, oh, all right, well, it's all right. I'll do better tomorrow. And sometimes I'm hard on myself. But I think just it takes the edge off. It takes the pressure off when you recognize that you're not superhuman. You may have some powers that you feel are superhuman and you have those moments. But on the whole, you know, being human means that there's going to be a lot of twists and turns. And I think if we can just give ourselves more forgiveness, you know, we... Well, we would walk around much more peaceful and much happier uh, because of that. Mm, I love that. Well, this has been amazing. I enjoyed our conversation so much. Thank you for joining me and coordinating all of this here in Vegas. You are just amazing. And I can't wait to collaborate again in the future. I feel honored to be the first guest on your show. It means it means you, a lot. So You took the the guest status virginity on the podcast. <laughs> I know that's a big <laughs> that's, deal. A, that's a that's a yeah Just that's a major saying. moment. Um, yeah. But I think this is this is definitely the beginning because I love this. I love collaborating with you. Now we get to now the next mission is to do this in Seattle. Yeah, so we could do a tour um, because I think this this is where the magic is made. This is where. Greatness is born is when you continue to grow with like-minded people, um, and and you do it in community because mm-hmm. it's way more fun to do this kind of stuff together than to do it solo. So for sure, yeah, and it's just such an amazing opportunity when you can actually support someone else and yeah. have them support you too. So thank you for that, and until next time, I love you, bitches, so much. Now go love yourself and have the most beautiful day. Whew. That was awesome. I am so excited about the episode that Kel and I just did. It also was inspiring because it was different to be in person. That is probably the biggest observation I have throughout the whole pandemic, for obvious reasons, done all interviews virtually. And it's great because you can meet with anybody in any time zone, anywhere. But there is something really special and magnificent about meeting in person. There's just a different energy, eye contact, the the vibe. 
And so it's just giving me a lot of inspiration that I need to put more effort <laughs> into doing things like that. It's obviously a different level of work to get this set up, but it's so worth it. It's just like it's just like any kind of relationship, right? When you date someone, you want to eventually meet them or have some kind of in-person interaction. And so it felt like that. Kel and I already had a great energy and connection together. And I feel like being able to do something like this in person just increased that. And so I, I learned a ton. And I also just enjoy being able to be on the other side a little bit because I'm always the interviewer. Uh, being in the interviewee seat is, is different because I'm not always talking about myself. And so probably after this now 83 episodes, this is probably the most that you've ever learned about me because I'm always talking to somebody else. So that could be good or it could be bad or you could be the judge of that and let me know if that is interesting for you to peel back the layers of the Des Onion. Um, so I just appreciate you being here as always and joining the show and being on this ride for what I said last week, which is that, or on the last episode rather, um, whenever that was, it was very recent that I celebrated a year anniversary. And so I just appreciate you being on the journey with me. Um, I appreciate being on the journey with you because I feel like I learned something. And I certainly did that today with Cal on this episode. So as I always say, you are your only limit. So take action today. Thanks for tuning into this special episode of the collab with the Dear Dumb Bitch podcast.